Hey there, friends and fellow warriors. Welcome to another episode of Warriors and Hope with Valerie Silvera. Today, I have another incredible guest, and I'm really excited for you to hear her story and a lot of her perspectives. And I think it's going to help a lot of people out there who have especially maybe sons or da and daughters in addiction or anybody in their life that is off track and you're sort of losing hope that, you know, it seems so dark and dismal and you're just wondering if it's even possible for a situation to turn around. This is why you need to hear my guest today. Her name is Sandy and I'm, you know, with just her story alone inspires me. But what's really cool is that she was, I should say is, a friend of my daughter Jamie's. And in fact, they were together in addiction. She even lived on the street where Jamie was murdered. And so I just think what an incredible story out of, out of something that was so dark in my life to find this beacon of hope. So welcome, Sandy. Hi, Valerie. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy that we finally got to talk. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Sandy, <clears throat> excuse me, when we first connected, you sent me a uh, Facebook message or something shortly after Jamie died a year or two after. I don't remember when it was. And, and, you know, it was really nice. <clears throat> and you were just this, I don't want to say just, but you were this friend of Jamie in that addiction world. And I didn't really ever think anything would come of it. I'm sure you're equally as shocked that here you are on my podcast today. Yeah, when I reached out, I, I never, I never thought I'd even get a response. And you did respond and you were kind and you, you know, you said like, I'm sorry, I just can't do this with any of you right now. And I completely understood because like, why would you? Right? Like, why would you want to sit and resonate or talk to people that had anything to do or associated to the world that your daughter was taken from? Yeah, that's a good way to really good way to put put it. I I think part of me is, you know. You know, my messaging, Sandy, you know, you're part of the Warriors and Hope tribe. And I, it, you know, everything comes down to fear. And yeah. I don't, I guess there's just was a fear, you know, it's why I didn't have a service for her in public in that area, because we didn't know who would show up and how it would make us feel, you know, we were kind of afraid of those feelings. And, you know, it's, it's a world that no one expects to find themselves in the middle of a murder case, a murder situation. That, I think that and, and two, like, why would you want to share her anymore with us at that time and the people that I, the person that I was or any of us in that area or throughout that situation were like, we had taken so much of her that like, why would you want to give us any more as, oh as a parent? I can see that as a parent. Cause I got children of my own. I got two girls. I got three boys. And like, I, I can completely understand. And I would completely probably be doing the same thing in your shoes. Wow. Wow. That is, I'm telling you what, my friends, you see, I was just talking with somebody else right before this. And we were talking about adversity and how everyone's trying to avoid pain. We're all trying to avoid suffering. And guess what, folks? It doesn't work like that. Life is filled with pain and suffering. And the bottom line is this. We don't learn nearly as much when things are going well. It's through our adversity and our difficult times that we come out the other side with wisdom, I sure hope. And, you know, some of the things that you say, Sandy, and the conversations I've had with you, the posts that I've seen you share with people in our Warriors and Hope group are really profound. And I think that perspective, I appreciate so much that you're able to say, I get it. Why would you, we stole 
so much from you. I never, ever thought of that until you said it, it just now. It, it facts though, we did. Like we, we surround ourselves when we're in our addiction or we're just not part of our family and part of the real world. And we're secluded in this darkness of, of whatever we're setting our lives in. Like we take, we take so much from each other that we don't give each other room to really leave our dark circle or our area or our, our group of life because it's like another culture underneath society. Um, really, like we lived alongside of the community, but we weren't part of the community and we understand that. So like when situations happen and parents and family members from the real world come in and they're like, hey, we understand like, oh, okay. And, and for the most part, we try to be respectful, but at the end of the day, we were still addicts and we were still living in that, you know, that hyena's den and it, it's, it's ugly sometimes. Yeah, I pre but I so appreciate you saying that. And um, I know that recently you you did a post where a mom was, or actually the mom did a post or her, she happens to have a son or daughter, I don't remember what it was, in addiction. And she it was her daughter. And I think she was saying that, I feel like she got out of, I think she got out of prison and she was saying, oh my gosh, I just don't know. I feel like she might be using again and a mother knows. But what was interesting is you didn't just say, oh yeah, well, mother knows you did say that. But what you did was you took a lot of the guilt off of her shoulders. And that's why it's important for people to hear wise perspective like yours. And it, I did that because like that really resonated with me. Like I remember my grandmother, like when I would go and see her or, or like moments of like when I would be clean and I'd pop in and leave where I was at and go see my family and my kids, like my grandma would ask me, what did I do wrong? And, and that would hurt me so bad inside in my spirit because like the outer exterior part of me was like trying to be nonchalant and like grandma, it was not you, but like at the end of the day, like I felt her pain. And, and because a lot of family members do hold that guilt and that like, what could I have done? What could I do? And in reality, like once that other world takes grip of us, there's nothing anybody can do but ourselves. We have to want something so different, so bad and be in such a desperation that we decide to change ourselves and a lot of family members especially parents mothers and fathers like they hold that that guilt like I should have did this I know there was nothing you could have done because we as people made our own decisions we made our own choices and we didn't want to hear nothing from anybody else there was nothing that anybody can do to stop us from a direction that we were already decided we were going yes yes I remember that in fact there were times when I thought it doesn't even seem like Jamie wants to fight that beast. It's, you know, she would go to rehab and she'd never make it through rehab because she'd get caught using and they'd kick her out. And I used to think, wow, she's not even trying hard enough to fight it. And, and this was a girl, by the way, Sandy, this girl, when she was uh, maybe 15, 14 or 15, she used to play soccer and she told me her foot was sore. And, you know, I was like, ah, you're, you're fine. Your foot's fine, Jamie. This goes on for two weeks. Finally, she's like, mom, my, my foot really hurts. I took her to the doctor. She had a broken foot. This girl is playing soccer up and down the field on a broken foot. And I remember saying that to her, Jamie, you played soccer on a broken foot, but you can't, why are you not fighting hard enough? It's comfortable. It becomes comfortable for us. Um, we get so comfortable in the isolation and the world that we evolve ourselves in. We become a family, we become a community within ourselves. And then we, we gravitate to this sense of loyalty to the people that we're around. And like, we don't wanna leave somebody behind. And at the end of the day, like it's 
it's fun until it's not. And by the time it's not fun, we're stuck. And we forget how to live as normal human beings. I thank God, you know, I, I went to treatment for the first time. Um, treatment was great. It gave me a, a, a foundation. But once I ended up going to these rooms with the 12-step program where there's um, these traditions and these guidelines, they had to reteach me how to live to be a human being again. I didn't know how to live and think and feel as a human being because it was hard. It was hard to feel emotions and have feelings and deal with the shame, the embarrassment and the guilt of what I caused my family, what I did to myself, the choices that I made, the way that I lived. Like, you know, it actually, uh, people think that, oh, addicts don't have shame or embarrassment. And when we really do, and, and it can be so heavy sometimes where we're just like, this is what our life is and this is what we're going to be. And, and I'd rather stay in this than actually go and free myself because it's too hard. For us, it's too hard when we don't know how anymore. Yeah. You know, what's interesting you say that because Sandy, that's not even just about addiction. I think that people find themselves in many different situations in their lives where that is exactly what it is. And I could say that even for a lot of, you know, family members that I um, come in contact with out there that go, you know, I really wish I were this. And I really wish I could be stronger. You can't wish it. Yeah. Even for people, like you said, even without being an addiction, like people with depression or anxiety or just just anything, like once you're so comfortable in the not being able to or not have been or not have become state in your mind, you you allow yourself to subconsciously choose like, well, this is what it is for me and accept it. And for me, like I didn't choose to have the life that I have right now until way later after I had started learning how to be human again. I was a monster and I even like, it's even tattooed on my back. It says beautiful monster because that's who I became. That's who I had to become in order to live and survive out there. And really, really, I could have always came home. Yeah. You know that, but you're right. But, but you, you hit the nail on the head because it's hard well, listen, my friends, anyone listening, I hope you're getting this point. Anything that you want to do in this life, anything worth having, doing, or being will take work. It will take pain. It will take sacrifice. And it will be hard. If you want to take the easy route, you're going to stay stuck, whether it's an addiction or codependency or, you know, tattooing whatever label you have tattooed on your forehead and that yeah. has become you. Right? Yeah. And like, yeah, it's absolutely true. And like, for me, like the hardest thing was leaving my comfortable zone, leaving what I was familiar with and coming into something different, changing my whole atmosphere and surroundings and walking away from it because I didn't know where I was going or what I was going into or what it would be like, or what would come through that change. And a lot of the time, the fear of coming of not knowing what's going to come through change can paralyze you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that fear of the unknown, nobody likes the unknown. No. Right. Everybody. I mean, that's why this, there's a multi, you know, however million or billion dollar industry of people going to psychics and stuff like what's the future. Tell me the future. And the thing is, is no one knows the future with any degree of certainty, you know, except for God himself, but we yeah. don't like that because we want control. And I tell you exactly. what, that right there, Sandy, was prob is probably one of the biggest messages that has resonated that when I've spoken with uh, parents who have kids living with an addiction beast 
is when I say, if you had the ability to save them, you would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. Nobody has the ability to save us, but ourselves. Um, and even when I came into like recovery, cause I'm a part of recovery. When I came into recovery, I was just kind of loitering and just like flopping around through meetings and rooms and, 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 you know, going to groups and conventions and stuff and still not knowing if this was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life until, um, I got a sponsor and this woman showed me like, look, you don't have to have it all figured out. You can do it on a daily basis. You can do it on an hourly basis. Like, let's just start with right now. What do you want to get to from the morning to the evening? Let's figure your day out before we figure your life out. And oh, what good advice. Don't you think that's advice for everyone? You know, the whole thing about really it is. Well, you know, one day at a time is associated with these, you know, the 12 step programs one day at a time. Well, really, you know what? I, I go back to the Bible. That's what God yeah. tells us to do. Like we're, we're not supposed to be living in the future, afraid of the future or living in the past. Yeah. And see, for me, like, so out there in, in my life and everything, like I had lost two, I have five children and out of five children, like my two youngest, well, my, I have my daughter who's four now. And then my son, Dominic, who's going to be nine in September. And then there's Jesse Lee, who's 11. Well, I lost Dominic and Jesse Lee through my addiction. Um, Not in my addiction because I got clean the minute that CPS got involved with everything. I got clean, but they still ended up being able to take them away because my head was so far up some dude's butt that I could see out of his eyeballs that I didn't know how to change for the better. Um, Once I lost those children, I had no faith. I had no God. I had no spirituality to me. So like when I came to the rooms and to the 12 step program for myself, um, I had, I found God again. I found a higher power. I found a spirituality within myself. I found peace, you know, in in where I was at and where I've become to and where I want to go to. So in those three spots, like it, it took a transition each time and I grieved each life that I left behind. Um, I have an end goal and that's to be present in the lives of my boys when they come looking for me, when they come and say, mom, what happened that I can be present and not in the same state of mind and stay same state of presence of physical being than when I lost them. Right. Or living in such guilt that you can't even accept them. Yeah, because like, Literally, literally, like I was a zombie walking around, soulless, no feelings, no emotions because they were gone. They were my life. And um, I didn't know how not to be with them. And at the same time, it was my fault. Yeah. It was my fault. a tremendous amount of guilt and shame and everything else. Yeah. And then I ended up pregnant with my daughter, the one that's four now. And um, she was a saving grace. And that's the one I named after Jamie Lynn. You know, her name, my daughter's name is Jay's Lynn and your daughter's is Jamie Lynn. Um, I wanted to combine them both because um, Jamie gave me, Jamie's death gave me enough spark to say, okay, something has to change or I'm going to be next. Wow. She would love that. I mean, she would love to know. I feel like if, uh, if, you know, when she was sent to to earth you know when god said okay you're gonna be born on this day and i feel like that if her spirit had been had a convo with god and said you know what it's gonna have to happen you know there's gonna be some choices you make blah 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 but in the end your life will you know your life will be taken but 
your mom will move on and she will help people through this tragedy, through the situation. And you will have a very special friend and her life will be saved partially because of your story. Jamie would say, okay, I'll do it. And you know what? I completely agree. Jamie was the type of person. And I say type of person because she still wasn't fully taken over by the darkness in the world that we were a part of out there where we lived. Um, she was still human. She still had a heart. She still had compassion. And that's hard to maintain as a person living the way we were living and in the life that we had. Like you can't have that vulnerability because then stuff happens to you. Yeah, like what happened to her. Yeah, and you have to be on top of the food chain because it is a food chain out there of people. Like either you're gonna be prayed or you're gonna pray. And um, it's sad to say, like I was not gonna be prayed on. Like I had gone through that a different lifetime ago and I had gone through some stuff where I was raped and, and you know everything and anything possible that could have happened to a female happened to me. I was held and locked up for six days, handcuffed to a restroom sink, um, held in a trunk. And, and like for a long time, I, I felt the victim of that situation. And, and I changed that. And I didn't change the way I lived, but I changed that I would never be that victim. Yeah. But eventually you did change and all of those situations and moments you had. Yeah. Led you to the t day when you said enough is enough. Yeah, it, it really, really did. You know, um, you know what? I, another courage. thing. I, oh, go ahead. It takes courage. Like the courage yes. that you, you had to go through some real grieving process and, and, and pain to be like, this is way too much to live with that. I can't, that I have to find something good in this. There's always light in the dark. I don't care how dark it is in, in any life form. Like there's light, there's always a speck of light somewhere and you found that light and you moved on with it and you made it into a sun so bright that you're reaching a lot of people because of the courage that you found within yourself to say, I cannot live in this pain. I cannot live in this way because I choose not to, I will not be a victim to anybody that did what they've done to my daughter and to my family. I'm going to take my power back. And that's a lot of courage. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, you know, it was my uh, moment because you can talk about your, you know, rock bottom moment or whatever when people are in addiction, but everybody has is standing at a crossroads in their life over and over and over. And the day that I told Rich, I don't want to be here anymore because I couldn't save Jamie. So before she died, you know, it was a few years before that, or no, it was two years before. I just said, I don't want to be here anymore. It was just, I was so devastated that I couldn't save my daughter from this evil beast that had yeah. attached itself to her. But it was interesting because that was the moment, Sandy. It was literally, it wasn't the moment that, oh, it all came together and I wrote a book the next day. But it it was the moment when I, I heard those words come out of my mouth into my ears, my brain and my heart and thought, no, that's not my legacy. My legacy cannot end with a depressed, lonely woman whose daughter was murdered. Or well, she wasn't murdered at the time, whose daughter was an addiction. That can't be the end of my story. And then I started thinking about Sean. Because everybody has somebody in their life. You've talked about your grandma, your family. Everybody has somebody. And I thought, really, this is what you're going to demonstrate to Sean. You're going to show him that when life gets tough, you know what the tough do? They give up. Yeah. Really? That's what you're going to show him? And it was really because of him initially that I stood up to fight. And I think what I wanted to really mention before I forget, that this is what you're doing. And 
And I, I want to say something first, because I used to say to Jamie all the time, you are not your addiction beast. That is not who you are. Like, quit, you know, remove the tattoo from your forehead that says addiction, uh, addict. I said, you live with an addiction beast, but that is, I know who you are. I see you. I told her all the time. I know who you are. Like whatever yeah. this crap that's coming out of her mouth and these decisions she's making, I knew. And I think it's important that people don't identify with whatever. I know people who have, you know, some kind of a health issue and that's just it. That's their life. That's who they are. Yeah. Um, right. It becomes them. And so I, I hope that, you know, okay, so addiction was your life, but that is not all of who you are and you have an opportunity. You're doing it. We're yeah, all leaving a legacy, think, Sandy. We're all I leaving think, a legacy, right? And you're leaving, you've chosen to say, I'm going to prove to my kids and everyone else that no matter well, how bad you, it gets, you can You said it yourself. Out. You said it yourself. You used to look at Jamie and be like, I see you. And um, my mom was, that's one of the biggest things that kept me away from my mom um, when I stayed away was because she would tell me, I know you, Sandy, I see you like you need to stop your shit and you just need to quit. And you just and, and the sad part was like. I wasn't her anymore. I had died like that person that she kept trying to say she saw was no longer there. And I, I didn't know how, how to, to get her back, her with, how to be. A, I didn't know how to get her back. And I still didn't get her back. I be I've evolved. I've evolved and transitioned yeah. from the different types of lives. But like my mom would always be like, you need to stop and you have kids and you need to you just need to come home. And, and you know, um, it was hard because like I didn't know how anymore. I didn't know how to be her daughter. I didn't know how to love her or anybody around me anymore. I just knew how to live in the life that I thought I was going to be a part of forever. I all honestly thought I was going to be a part of that life um, for till I died. Like there was, I didn't think I'd be 42 years old and living, you know, owning my own house um, with my husband still through the one that I was with in my addiction for the past seven years. We've been, we've been clean for, I'm going to be five years clean. He's going on six years clean. Like I never thought our relationship would have made it through what we made it through um and here we are raising two of our girls i got one of them back my mom was raising my first daughter and um i had left her with her because i knew i couldn't bring her into that world and like here i am a homeowner you know in recovery living a life an ihss caretaker for an elderly lady um responsible part of my community i'm of service to people when i can be um not to mention I'm going through a lot of health issues and even my health issues. I refuse to allow those to define who I'm going to be at my end goal. Okay. So the Sandy that was sitting there on, you know, Santa Rosa Avenue where Jamie died and all this mm -hmm. crap life you guys were living in could have never imagined. First of all, you already said it. You couldn't even imagine being, uh, living, being whole and, not having poison in your body but now it's like oh wow i got i have a beautiful baby daughter well she's not a baby don't tell her i called her that four-year-olds <laughs> don't like to be called babies <laughs> and uh you have one of your daughters back and you're a homeowner and your husband and you're both living this clean life but let's take it a step further and the role model that you've become you could have never imagined that and this is the hope that people need to realize that it could be better than you could have imagined 
Yeah, it really can. I have my 21 year old, you know, I left his life at eight years old and he pretty much raised himself. And like for most, for some people, like when they have kids, when they're addicts and, and they're using and they walk out on their kids and they do this and that, like their kids follow in their footsteps. And my 21 year old is an amazing adult, a responsible human being. And like, he loves me to the ends of the earth. And he tells me, mom, I know that was never you. I've been oh. waiting for you. I knew you'd come home because oh you my told gosh. me. You, and he tells me, he told me like, you told me you'd never stay gone forever. And you did wow. it. And, and like, he literally lights up my spirit. You know, each of my kids give me something like, you know, when life feels too hard, my, my oldest daughter of, of the two, she, she keeps me grounded and she keeps me here. Cause sometimes in life you want to run away. Like it just gets too much. And it's just with the daily things of, of normal living. Um, for myself, sometimes it becomes overwhelming and, um, she keeps me grounded because she held that hope when I came into recovery and she was like, mom, you're home. I got my mom back. I got my mom back. And then when her dad came back into our, you know, he got out of prison and he's like, what does it take for me to be a part of your life again? Cause I was like, so completely done with him. And I told him you have to do what I'm doing. And he, he didn't change because I changed him. My husband changed because he wanted to be a different person, better person for the family that I was building again. And he wanted to be a part of that. It right. took him wanting to change for himself to be a part of us for our lives to be what it is. And um, it's not always, you know, cupcakes and unicorns. It, it's, it's, it's a marriage. Not. I thought it's that's a, what life was all about. It's a marriage. And we go through our stuff, but we go through our stuff together. And the best part is we go through it present. We're here. We don't run away. We don't hide the pain. We don't drown the pain with, you know, what we used to. And we don't fight the way we used to now we can actually you know go through it as as a couple does normally you know we have our arguments here and there but at the end of the day we go to bed and, and we know that we love each other and we're in this for the long haul because we've already went through our hell you know and it's only sunshines and rainbows literally from here on out because the life that we live no matter our hardest days is still our easiest day than when we were out there wow that's such a good such a good message. And um, so I wanted to let our listeners know that at our event, Warriors and Hope, the Freedom Experience in October, Sandy is going to come and we are going to talk more about this and you're going to hear more of her wisdom. And just, I just think that it's so important for people to hear different perspectives because I know for me, Sandy, I just couldn't understand what in the hell Jamie was doing. I couldn't understand why she wouldn't just really mommy i love you more than anyone really then what are you doing it's so hard for us to understand so not even this the guilt and the shame we don't understand perspectives so one of even our sean, biggest, even yeah, sean gives of, me his perspective and i go oh my god that's right he was feeling pain too but i could i felt his pain because i'm his mom yes. but i didn't understand his perspective one of our biggest things, one of my biggest things out there was I didn't even love myself anymore. I didn't know how to love myself with everything I was doing and with the person I had become. Um, love was not an option in my life 
as to my, you know, within myself. Now I have love for self. I have spirituality. I have faith. I have such a huge faith in, in my higher power and knowing that like, okay, that was not my end. Like I'm 42 years old. I'm going through some medical stuff. Like this is not going to be my end. I survived my addiction. I survived the streets. I survived whatever I put myself through. And like, this isn't going to be my end. I got an end goal that I'm trying to attain, which is being present for my boys when they come home. And like the in-betweens are the blessings, you know? But at the end of the day, like we don't know how to love ourselves enough to say I'm worth fighting for. Well, you learned how, but you I learned did. how, and that's the I hope did. in the darkness. That's the light. Yeah. Telling myself I'm enough, manifesting my life, telling myself I'm worthy, telling myself I matter. You know, when my daughters go to school, I'll text them and I'll tell them, don't forget you're special. You matter. You're important. You're beautiful and you're worthy every day. Yeah. I, I wish that we had more, uh, parents. I wish I would gr had grown up with those messages. You know, people just weren't like that. Um, and that those are important, important things to keep hearing over and over. They say you're supposed to hear eight to one positive over negative. I doubt many people have that going on. Yeah. And it's hard because like, I'm not a perfect parent. Like I, for one, I'm bipolar as, as I don't know what. So like my mood swings are crazy, but like my daughter, I always make sure that she knows and that they all know all my kids know that like they are important to me and they are important to themselves and that I love them. Even if I get in an argument with my 15 year old, cause God knows 15 year olds are hard. Oh, yeah. um, I let her know in the middle of our argument, like, I love you. I don't care if you're mad at me. I love you. You are my daughter. And, and like, you can be mad at me, but I love you. And I never oh, not tell her that. That's so good. Well, I'm really excited for you to come and be a part of our event and get yourself filled up too, because I know you're also giving a lot right now and it's important to fill yourself up, fill your yeah. tank up. Um, but I just know that some people there are going to hear some sparks of wisdom or perspective that it, that will be life-changing for them. And I firmly believe that, that people might come to the event because they know me. Oh, let me come and, and meet Valerie and hear what she has to say. But then they come away going, wow, you know, Sandy said this, and I know that's going to happen. Yeah. And like you said, it's from everyday people. Like you see people at the supermarket, you see people, it's not that, and having a bad day, it's not that hard to stop and smile. Like I make it a point, like if I see somebody that doesn't look like they feel like they look beautiful, I'll be like, oh, you look really gorgeous today at random strangers. Just because I remember being out there and feeling like I was always ugly because I knew I was inside. I had to be ugly inside to live the way I lived. Wow. Yeah. Well, you are beautiful. You're doing so much good, not just for yourself and your family, but, you know, as I said, we're all creating a legacy. We're all impacting people every minute of every day. And, uh, you know, in the end, I think that you're going to hear well done. Thank you. So I look forward to seeing you, Sandy. Thanks for being my guest. And Thank we'll you. probably have you come and chat another time if you want. Anytime, Valerie, anytime. And I appreciate you so much. And thank you for your courage because like really, really people needed your platform. People need to hear your story. People need to hear your, your courage and, and see the hope that there is hope and light, you know, even in the darkest of places. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you.